And so this morning, as we've already indicated, we come to the final of these three messages looking at the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've commented on the fact that it's not a subject that we talk about so often in churches. The incarnation, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world, we all enjoy Christmas and we look forward uh, to that particular time of the year. And of course, Easter features very highly because we recognize that it's through the power of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ that we're able to live the lives that we do, that we're able to have the assurance of heaven, that we're able to recognize that God has worked in us, he continues to work in us, and he loves to work in us through his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we were looking at the children this morning, we recognize and we see what a joy it is that our young people here in our fellowship immediately recognize and have that affinity with the work and person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to be able to hear four, five, and six-year-olds saying, I love Jesus, just warms my heart and it encourages me tremendously to be able to see this. And they're not afraid to do that. So we continue in our fellowship to encourage them. Now, for our young people here today, uh, you should have received um, the, le- the, the notes. Here we go, the, less, the notes, and I will try and make mention. So, so again, the word search is not to give you something to do during a boring message. It's to encourage you to listen really carefully. Because if you don't listen, you won't find the words due to the fact that they're not printed on the bottom of the sheet. So see what you can do. Uh, There were two prizes handed out last week or during the week. Uh, A bag of Maltesers for those that were able to get the allotted 12 words. So you're looking for 12 words which I will allude to or make mention of. And then, of course, there's the notes that we can look at. And I know there are uh, some other older people who are following the notes through. Uh, that's absolutely fine. And if you want to uh, do, please make sure you collect them as you come in. And if you haven't got them, you can go over to the side of the church now and collect them. Don't forget that the uh, notes are also, the interactive notes are available on our church app. So it means you can sit with your phone and you can put them together. And as long as you're looking at the church app and not one of those other social media things that you're not supposed to have anything to do with, particularly on a Sunday morning. But this is what we're talking about today is the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've taken the approach of considering what the return of Jesus meant to different sectors, different groups of people. And we started off by looking at the Lord Jesus himself. He wanted to go back to be with his father. That's where our Lord Jesus came from when he was born on earth. Uh, He was not born in the same fashion as you or I because he had existed before he was born. In fact, he existed uh, before he was conceived. He existed before his earthly mother was even conceived. He existed from all eternity. And we know that all things in the world were created by Christ. The scriptures clearly explain this to us. Our Lord said in John 6, in verse 38, he said, I came down from heaven. So we know what his origin was. And we've spoken of the fact that origin is vitally important for us when it comes to understanding our destination. Jesus was from heaven, therefore he would return to heaven. It's that simple. He was going home. And the same thing applies to us. Origin determines destination. And if we are born and we remain in our earthly, worldly, natural state, then our origin determines that heaven is not an option for us. If that's what our birth is, 
If that's where our feet are firmly fixed in this world, then it tells us that heaven is not an option for us. We have to see that our origin changes. Because if we're no longer, if we've been born again, as the Bible puts it, if everything in our life changes as we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then miraculously and mysteriously in some way, our origin changes because we shift from being an origin of this world to our origin being shifted to heaven. And that means that we are now strangers. The Bible uses the term aliens. And we spoke of the fact we're not talking about little green men with, with little uh, antenna on your head, okay? Um, Jeremy and I were looking up the word antenna and discovering that the correct uh, definition of antenna is not the aerial that you get to watch television or whatever it is with, but this is an antenna, okay? And so we discover very clearly that uh, our origin changes to heaven. And that means that our destination changes. So as the Lord Jesus returned to heaven, that was the great lesson that we have here. And then, of course, last week we looked at the ascension from the perspective of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, of believers, of ourselves. And our study last week was summed up by a single word. Can anybody shout out what it was? What was the single word that we summed it up? Letter E, it begins with. Edification, absolutely. Edification, what does it mean? It means to be built up. Okay, and so when you talk about the edifice of a building, that's what we're talking about there. So uh, we recognize that uh, Jesus returning to heaven, he's not, you know, sat doing nothing. He's busy building us up. Because without him building us up, we would be in a right, in a right state. And sadly, when you look at some people, and maybe you're one of those people here this morning, and you say to yourself, but what's going wrong? Why is it all these other people seem to be uh, walking strongly? Why, why, why is Randy David going out sharing the gospel with other people? I don't feel like I want to do that. What is it that's taking place? Why does Nick want to go? Why does Tyson? You know, why do we want to do these things? It's because they're being built up in their faith and desire. And all of us need to allow ourselves to see the Lord Jesus working in us through his spirit, changing us, strengthening us, enabling us to learn and to know all that the Lord has for us. So our Lord returned to his father. Now that word father would be quite a useful word if you're looking at the word search. Okay. And uh, he returned to his father and he's busy. He's working, and he's working on us. Edification means to build up, and today Jesus is still building. The carpenter is still at work, and he's still building. The Lord Jesus is, is busy. Now, what is he building? Well, he's building three things. Number one, he's building his church. Having gone back to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit has given gifts to his people. And I have to stress this, and I know sometimes we, we really struggle to understand it, but as believers, we are gifted people. You might say, I'm not gifted, can't do anything, can't speak publicly. If someone asks me what it's about being a Christian, my mouth just won't work and, and my mind freezes and I can't do it. I, I'm no good at building anything. I, you know, 
and you go through this long list of all the things that you're rubbish at. Instead of saying, Lord, what is it you want me to do? What do you want me to do in this church? And, and I can assure you that God has a plan and a purpose and a task for you to achieve. It might blow you away when you actually stop for a moment and say, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? You see, these gifted people are at work in the church. They're building the church. Some of them are just prayer warriors and all they do is pray and pray and pray. And so when the guys are going out distributing literature and food and banging on people's doors, there's somebody praying for them and God links the two together and the strength and the power that comes from evangelism that is backed by a praying church is exciting and that's what we need to see here. He's building the local church and as he builds local churches, he is building the temple of God. And that's why all of us should be part of the local church. And that's why we meet and work together. That's why COVID-19 with all these restrictions has been something that Satan has wanted to bring in because if he could damage the church, stop us meeting together, then weakness would come. But we've kept going. We've kept meeting. One way or another, we've kept on keeping on as Paul in Philippians describes. And we've received blessing because we've done that. We don't look at church hopping. We don't go to other churches because, you know, we've, we're just sort of like, we don't want to put any roots down. Suddenly the pastor comes up and says something like, we want to get you involved in something here. That's the time to move on to the next church because you don't want to do, don't ever do that because Jesus is building his church. We don't sit at home on our own because we have to be part of the fellowship. We have to be part of the body of Christ. You know, Zoom's great, but how can you really minister to other people when that's all you do? And secondly, our Lord is building Christians. He's edifying us. You say he's not worried about me. Oh, yes, he is. There's not one person here this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ is not specifically praying and interceding for. It's just that you don't want to know sometimes. And you're worried about this, this edification business. You know, what happens if suddenly I'm pushed to the front because the Holy Spirit says, it's you. I want you to do this. Well, it is not that the Lord Jesus doesn't want to help you. No, the fault always lies with us. It always lies with us. And usually because of a lack of willingness to submit to the Lord Jesus. We sing the hymn, I surrender all. Do we really mean it? I surrender all. Except the things that are precious to me. The things I want. And God looks down and he says, I'm jealous and I want all of you, everything of you. And the incredible thing is, is that when we allow him to have everything, he gives us so much more. Blessing that we cannot begin to understand. I'm not talking about a smart new car, necessarily. But I'm talking about the fact that you will see people one 
to faith, one to the Lord Jesus Christ, family, children, because they see that you're serious and that you mean it and that you're determined to put God first in all things. And thirdly, Jesus is building us a home. Now, this is, this is not morbid in any way whatsoever, but right now, for those of us who know and love the Lord Jesus, we have the assurance that in heaven, he's building us a home. And he loves us. And he's going to make it really, really, really wonderful and special for us. Uh, we commented on how grateful we are to have John 14 in the Bible. And I've used it at funeral services or Thanksgiving services for believers. But I can't use it at the funeral of someone who has never confessed faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord. Why? Because their origin has not changed, which means that their destination has not changed, which means that Jesus is not building a home in heaven for them. And now this morning, I want us to close these three studies with the simple question, what does the ascension mean to the world? Again, if you're looking at your word search, that word world might feature quite highly, so keep an eye out for it. What does it mean to those who are not saved? What does it mean to those who have turned their back on God and they have rejected him? What does it mean to these people? People who would not even realize that Jesus did ascend back to heaven because they never thought that God came to the world in the first place. And as far as they're concerned, Jesus is just another good person. You know, occasionally we see these people. They're really special. They're really good. They're the Mr. Nice Guys, if you like. The Mr. Nice Girls. You know, we don't see them that often, but when they come along, yep, they're people that we can look up to. And there are people, don't misunderstand me, who do live extremely good lives. They're very generous, they're gracious, they're kind. They'll go out of their way to help others, and we applaud them for that. Not all of them are believers either. But as far as these people are concerned, Jesus is just another good person who tried to help a world by being kind and loving and helping but he obviously failed because he died on the cross. They don't understand that it was his death that brought victory. Victory in our lives. Well, I have to say this to you. We can sum up the answer to this question. What does the ascension mean to the world? With one single word. And it's a bad word. It's a frightening word. And it's the word that we've read in Romans chapter 8. It's condemnation. Because when Jesus returned and he sent his Holy Spirit, and we're going to look at this very, very important correlation in, in, a, in, a, in a moment, but he brings condemnation into the world. Again, you might want to note that word down. Romans 8 verse 1 states very clearly, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're in Christ, then you do not face condemnation. But if you're not in Jesus, then according to the scriptures, you stand condemned. This is what God says in his word. I'm not condemned. 
done anything wrong that demands condemnation? Yes, you have. Because you've turned your back on God. You don't believe in his son. So what we're seeing here is that we've been found guilty. You're condemned. And in a sense, you're waiting, if it doesn't already stand uh, from the perspective of that a condemned man is condemned to death, then he's as good as dead. But you are waiting for the sentence of death, another important word for us to consider and to understand. And again, you'll be looking at that in the word search. The sentence of death to be carried out. We're waiting for it to happen. We don't like talking about death, do we? The one word that people will try and change, they passed over. They've gone to a better place. They'll be looking down and smiling at us. People don't want to talk about death, but the Bible unashamedly talks about death. Jesus spoke a great deal about hell. And each morning as you wake up, it could be that that day your condemnation will be made final. That word final is a good one to look out for as well. Or it could be that as you go to sleep, at the end of this day, you won't see tomorrow morning and your condemnation will have been made complete. Because the sentence will be carried out. And it's final. Um, Japan still exercises the death penalty. Not very often, but they do. And they have a prison which has a death row block on it. However, in Japan, unlike most other countries in the world, when a person is condemned to death for the crimes that they have committed... The law says that the condemned person is not to be told when the sentence will be carried out. Now, I don't know what you think about that, but that must be a terrible, terrible way of living. And sometimes they can be on death row for decades, but they never know until one hour when there's that cell door opened and they know that the end has come. Their death is imminent. And friends, this morning, if you're not saved, if you don't know and love the Lord Jesus as your Savior, then you're in exactly the same position as the guy on death row in Japan. Condemned, found guilty, but not knowing when the sentence will be carried out. You're condemned. In fact, you know, you know you are. And you're hoping with all your heart that God doesn't come back now or that you don't die today because you've got loads of other things that you want to do tomorrow. Or you're just hoping that you're going to have the extra time to be able to call. Yeah, I'll, I'll call to God when I'm ready. 
And I'll cry out to him, I'll confess my sin. I'm going to say, God, I'm ready now. You can, you can take me. To the world, the ascension means condemnation. If you turn to John 16, beginning at verse 7, listen carefully as we read these words together. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, Jesus said. It is to your advantage that I go away, that I return home to my Father. Now, the disciples couldn't understand for one moment why he had to leave them. And then he went on and said this, For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And wait for it. And when he comes, this is the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin. And of righteousness. And convict them of judgment. Now notice the wording very, very clearly. Please don't read judgment to come. The word judgment is one you might want to be looking for as well. That comes from the book of Acts where Paul reasoned of righteousness and temperance and judgment to come. And don't read it, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment to come and then stop reading there because the verse goes on and it says, of sin. That word sin is worth noting. And you ask yourself, what particular sin? Well, what is it that he's looking for? And it says, of sin, and then we read this in verse 9, because they do not believe in me. Now we have the clarity of the scriptures. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. And verse 10, and of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Notice the tense, the past tense that is presented there. What, he's say, what, is, what is he saying? He's saying this, the presence of the Holy Spirit, which comes because Christ ascended back to his Father, the presence of the Holy Spirit in this world is judgment on the world. Now, we're grateful for the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit has come in as judgment on the world. You see, the Holy Spirit shouldn't be here in this world. Now, what do I mean by this? Now, I wondered whether I ought to say it quite as bluntly as that. Jesus should be in this world. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ should be in this world reigning now, but they didn't want him. So he went back to his father and he sent the Holy Spirit and the presence, another good word to make a note of, the presence of the Holy Spirit in this world is judgment upon the world in three ways. And we look at them very briefly. Firstly, the presence of the Holy Spirit speaks of the sin of the world. Now, please notice that the Holy Spirit does not convict. That's another interesting word to take notice of. The Holy Spirit does not convict people of sins. We sometimes misunderstand this. Read the scriptures. It doesn't say that the Holy Spirit convicts people of adultery or fornication or drunkenness 
or lying or deceit or gospel, uh, sorry, or gossip or cruelty. Now we say sometimes we pray, or oh, may the Holy Spirit of God convict my husband or my wife in this particular area. And yes, this is true. But no conscience, now that's a good word to keep a note of, but no conscience is supposed to do that. We know when we're doing something wrong. You don't have to teach a child. (laughs) They just know when it's not right. Yes, the Holy Spirit can use the word to convict people. No question about that. And I've seen the Holy Spirit take one verse out of Scripture and Stab people right the way through the heart because the conviction comes. But what he's saying here is this, is the presence of the Holy Spirit in this world is evidence that the world has committed the greatest sin that can be committed. And I get asked this question from time to time. What is it? What is this sin? Well, it's very simple. It's very straightforward from the section of Scripture that we have here. It's unbelief. Verse 9 says, of sin, because they do not believe in me. How tragic. Have you noticed how people believe everything that the world tells them, basically? You know, they'll they'll watch TV and they believe everything. They listen to the radio, believe everything. Read the newspaper, believe everything. If it's on Google, well, it must be true, mustn't it? And they believe it. They even believe in what politicians say still, even though we've had decades to learn that what a politician says is not always the truth. Jesus said to the Jews, I have come in my Father's name. You won't accept me. Another is going to come in his own name. Him you're going to receive. The Antichrist. Secondly, the presence of the Holy Spirit convicts of righteousness, we're told. Now, what kind of righteousness? Well, we're told it's the righteousness of Christ. He said, I am going to the Father, and from now on, the Holy Spirit is going to remind people of the righteousness of Christ. And what this is meaning is that when people are as good as Jesus, they'll make it to heaven. The problem is nobody can be that good on their own. Because this is where salvation comes in. This is where confession of our sin, the things we've done, yes, we never intended to do it. It just happened. But we did it. We sinned. And we let God down. And we let everybody else down. But salvation comes in and says if you confess your sin, if you repent of your sin, if you turn to me, if you turn to the Lord Jesus, it's dealt with. And thirdly, convicted of judgment. Not judgment to come, but judgment past. What judgment? The judgment of Satan on the cross. He's the, who's the ruler of this world? Satan. Who runs this world system? Satan. But friends, he's already been judged. Satan tried to keep Jesus from rising from the dead. He tried to keep our Lord Jesus from ascending to heaven. But today the Lord Jesus is far above all principalities and powers, including Satan. 
and therefore the presence of the Holy Spirit in the world convicts of the unbelief of the world and the unrighteousness of the world and the fact that the world has already been judged. That's why we read that the world is condemned. Now listen to this carefully. We often um, consider it. We've spoken of it uh, this morning already. The sentence has already been passed. It just hasn't been executed yet. God has already said to this unbelieving world, you're condemned. The verdict has been passed. You're guilty. But when will the sentence be executed? Well, I can't tell you that. Only God knows. But friends, this is why you and I are in the business of spreading the good news. And why today we've had a focus on evangelism. This is why we preach the gospel. Here's a peculiar thing. We are ambassadors, we're told in the scriptures, but we're ambassadors in enemy territory. We don't belong here. If you're saved, your home is not here. You see, our citizenship is not here. It's up in heaven. Our treasure is not here. You might be the richest man in the world, but your treasure, if you're saved, is in heaven. Our glory is not down here. It's up in heaven. The things that are the most valuable to us are not down here. They're up in heaven. So what are we doing down here? Maybe Jim Jones was right when he got all his followers to drink poison and to die. All the people that were watching for the comet that was flying past California and they all took their own lives because they thought they could catch a lift on the tail of the comet. Why are we here? I want to be up in heaven. Well, we're here because we have a job to do. Because we are helping other people to get to heaven. Because God uses us and works in us. And that's the responsibility that we have. The same Holy Spirit who came upon the church to bear witness of what the world had done to Jesus, wants to bear witness through us. And what is it? That God forgives sinners. Now we understand this, but there's a problem. And the problem is, is that we have become too accustomed to hearing these statements. Yeah, we talk about sending missionaries out, but does it mean anything to us? when God's actually calling you to go. We've become accustomed to the message. We're used to it. It's lost its thrill. It's become old hat to us, if you like. And that's too bad. Because the Holy Spirit of God wants to make fresh and real to us that Jesus is alive and Jesus is ascended. And Jesus is coming again. And we're ambassadors of peace in a world at war with God.
And it's not only our missionary personnel, those that have gone to some far off corner of the world who are ambassadors, each of us are ambassadors if we have come to faith in Jesus. Wherever you are, God wants you to say to people, look, God's not mad at you. God didn't declare war on you. You declared war on him. God is reconciled to you, but are you reconciled to him? We're ambassadors of peace in a world at war with God. And the world is living under condemnation. We Christians often pray, and rightly so, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, because we want out. But have you asked yourself, when we asked ourselves the question at the beginning, why didn't the Lord come yesterday? Well, Peter tells us, 2 Peter 3 verse 9, the Lord is long-suffering to us. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know why the Lord Jesus didn't come back yesterday? It was to give somebody here this morning a chance. And perhaps you're that person You know it, but God graciously has given you another chance. God is long-suffering and patience, but I don't know how long his patience will continue. And friend, if I were you, I wouldn't try his patience, a word to look for. I wouldn't try his patience any longer. If you've never been saved, come and give your heart to Christ. And then look forward with us to that wonderful event when he shall come again and we shall go home to be with him, forever to be with the Lord. Repent of your sin, turn to Christ and receive from him the gift of eternal life. (laughs) And not any old life, not just years and years of life but the very life of Jesus. Unbelievable. And it's ours when we confess our sin and our need of the Savior. Because as the psalm said, I'm listening.